So what a beautiful day to do some meditation practice. My name is Mark Coleman, for those who don't know me, one of the Spirit Rock teachers here. And I'm very curious about who you are and what brings you to a, this morning of mindfulness. So how many people are new to Spirit Rock here? Okay, good. Welcome. And for how many of you are new to meditation or mindfulness practice? Okay, some. And how many of you is this new to take a whole morning or, uh, of practice to, to meditate? It's the first time doing it. Okay, good. So we've lots of experts in the room. Perhaps. <laughs> we'll find out. So there's a, uh, a quote from a teacher, Suzuki Roshi, who founded San Francisco Zen Center. And he said, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are very few. Mm-hmm. So we actually welcome beginner's mind here, which is a mind like a childlike curiosity that is open and curious and um, inquisitive rather than thinking we know what's going to happen and we know what mindfulness is or what meditation is, to actually come with an open, an open mind and just to see what's to be discovered today in the teaching, in your in own experience. And how many people are, and this, is, this, is, this would be a new question I haven't asked before, how many people have learned about mindfulness uh, separate from the Buddhist world. So whether that's through psychology or reading, okay, so good, good portion of you. So as you may know, Spirit Rock is a uh, center founded, grounded in the Buddhist tradition, and mindfulness practice was really central to the Buddha's teaching, the Buddha's own awakening. And so these teachings that I'll be sharing today are obviously drawn from the Buddhist tradition. And mindfulness, as you probably know, is really flowering in society and education. Uh, It's being really developed uh, uh, in psychology, in neuroscience, a lot of wonderful research happening and being taken out into business, into prisons. And it's really reaching, it's it's phenomenal for... uh, for me to watch when I started learning mindfulness in 1984 in East End of London as an obscure center, it was really obscure <laughs> and weird. And, and all the people I, who knew me uh, thought I was really even more weird than I, they, thought they, they thought I was. <laughs> uh, and now it's become very commonplace. I go into different companies now and teach about mindfulness. Like, oh yeah, I know about meditation. What's the big deal? So, uh, and that's good news. You know, we have a um, uh, at least one mindfulness practitioner in Congress, Tim Ryan, who's developing mindful schools in Ohio. Um, and it's just really great to see the the impact of this practice. And I, I think the reason why it's having such impact is because. It's very simple, it's very accessible, it's very practical, and anybody can do it, as proven by the six-year-olds who are learning it in mindful schools. And um, you know, 
So that's the good news. This is from the Buddha. Just as in the last month of the rains in autumn when the sky is clear and cloudless, the sun on ascending the sky overpowers the space immersed in darkness, shines and blazes and dazzles. In the same way, all skillful qualities are rooted in mindfulness, converge in mindfulness, and mindfulness is reckoned the foremost among them. So for the Buddha and his teaching and practice, mindfulness was really the cornerstone of the spiritual journey, central to understanding of ourselves, of our mind, understanding how we suffer, how we find peace. So often now in the um, broader culture, mindfulness is taught as an attentional practice, a way to cultivate attention. And that's, that is a primary aspect of the practice. But in, in, in this context of this tradition, it's in ser- that cultivation of attention is in service of waking up in service of self-understanding, in service of freeing ourselves from the places that we cause ourselves pain and distress and anguish, in service of finding peace and happiness and well-being right here and now. (coughs) So since there's so many of you who've already practiced mindfulness, what is mindfulness? Anybody like to say in a word or two? Just shout out. Being aware. Mm-hmm. What else? Consciousness. Consciousness. Mm-hmm. Being present in the moment. Being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Focused. Focused. Non judgmental attention. Mm-hmm. What else? Listening. Listening. Yeah, it's mindfulness is a deep form of listening. What else? Being still. Being still. Mm-hmm. Being not doing. Mm-hmm. We become human doings, not human beings. Anything else? So, yeah, mindfulness incorporates many of those things that were spoken to. So mindfulness in its essence is a quality of attention, an intentional attention in the present moment that's non-judging, non-interfering, not fixing or changing our experience, meeting our experience as it is, knowing it as it is, without the filter of our concepts, our biases, our preferences. So it's actually a very radical form of attention, because normally when we're paying attention to something, we usually get quite lost in our views and our ideas and preferences and likes and attachments and we get into very quickly trying to change and manipulate and control our experience rather than simply notice it and allow it and be present to it. So let's do a little practice. So what I'd like you to do is, is put, lift your hand up and just, <coughs> and just move your hand through, your, through the air and notice and look at it. And I want you to close your eyes and then feel it from, feel the the inner experience of that. So slow the movement down and notice the weight, pressure. Slow it down some more. Notice the temperature, 
uh, little subtle movements involved in moving your hand. Now see if you can be with that experience without thinking about it or without visualizing it, sensing into the direct experience. Okay, you can put your hand down. So what do you notice about that, between that, what I would call a more ordinary level of attention, where we're just going through the day, and then when you close your eyes and you slow the movement down and you become more subtly attuned, what do you notice? Was there a difference? Oh, no, I, I, I will in a minute, but yeah. Huge amount of energy in the hand. Yeah. In the ha- uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So noticing energy. What else? Any difference between those two modes? Yeah. I could feel the coolness of the air as I moved more when mm-hmm. my eyes were closed. Noticing the coolness of the air. Mm-hmm. So what I was pointing to in that exercise is that there are different levels of attention. And as we cultivate mindfulness, our attention becomes more subtle, more refined, more clear, more embodied. So mindfulness is an embodied attention. So we're using the senses as one of the primary doorways to being present. So mostly where our attention is in our mind, in our thinking mind, in our ideas about things, our views and judgments. And mindfulness is, uh, there's a quality, an aspect of it called bare attention, which is attending to an experience without the filter of our ideas and concepts. So, um, the good news about this practice is that we all have this quality already. You all have the capacity to be aware and to pay attention. Otherwise, you would have crashed your car, you would have put your breakfast cereal in your ear, and you would have bumped into the door as you came through and uh, missed the chair. So we all have awareness. We all have, we all pay attention. We can all concentrate to some degree. And, of course, we also see the many ways that we uh, aren't aware, aren't concentrated, and uh, see the infinite possibility of improvement. So I want us to do a short exercise which speaks to this quality, speaks to this point that this quality is already within us. So we'll do a one-minute meditation. It'll be the hardest meditation you do today. And the instruction is to not pay attention to anything. So not be aware, not be mindful, not be conscious, and see what happens, okay? So get ready. Okay, we're going to start. You can have your eyes open, eyes closed. It doesn't matter because you're not paying attention, so...
that was a bell signaling the end of that meditation, but since you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't have noticed the bell, so I'm <laughs> hereby officially declaring that meditation over. So what did you notice? And maybe we can have a mic for this, if I can get a mic runner. <coughs> Unless it's just one word, um, what did you notice? Thinking. thinking, you notice thinking, uh huh. Usually, very common experience. Thank you. Um, I actually found it easier to pay attention because I wasn't forcing myself to pay attention. Right. She noticed she was easy to pay attention. That's often the case when we think we have to force ourselves or make a lot of effort, it's often the very thing that gets in the way of a natural atten- attentiveness. Yeah, good. So sometimes we notice more in that practice than any other time. Okay, what else? Pardon? The mind wants to focus on something. It does. The mind is always wanting to focus on something. Yeah. What else? Did anybody succeed in not paying attention? (laughs) No. So what does that tell you? Since we're here to cultivate attention and nobody failed in paying attention in that minute, what does that tell you? Pardon? We all succeeded, right? You all passed the first meditation. This is great news. And the the point of that exercise is to see that we're always paying attention to something. Awareness is always aware of something. <coughs> this is the good news, because if we're here to cultivate awareness and it's already happening, then we're halfway there. The question is, the important question is, what are we paying attention to? Where is that awareness going? What is it aware of? This is really very important piece to reflect on. What are you aware of? And so what mindfulness and meditation reveals is the habits of our mind, of where we normally pay attention. So as somebody said, I noticed um, I'm always thinking. Anybody notice they were thinking in that last minute? Probably. So we have this innate quality of awareness and attention, but we, we see that the habits of our mind, the habits of our attention, are often in t- places that we don't necessarily want it to be going. So usually it's going to our mind, to our thinking mind, to our preoccupations, our ruminations, our worries, our fears, yeah, memories, hopes, plans, fantasies. And takes us, that attention takes us out of the present moment into a mental world of planning and remembering and reminiscing and fantasy. And so we miss the present moment. We leave the present moment a lot. And on a beautiful day like this, it's like, why would I want to leave the present moment? Why would I not want to be present to this? Why would I not want to be present to this experience of being human? Because it's kind of amazing. And you sit here and you see things and you hear things and feel things and it's kind of amazing when we're attentive, when we're awake. 
So there's a poem, part of a poem from uh, poet Billy Collins uh, that speaks to this. He says, um, I could feel the day offering itself to me, and I wanted nothing more than to be in the moment. But which moment? (laughs) Not this one, or that one, or this other one, or any of those that were scuttling by, didn't seem perfectly right for me. And besides, I was too knotted up with questions about the past and his tall, evasive sister, the future. And also, what were we going to serve the vegetarian twins who were coming for dinner that evening? (laughs) And why was the driver of that pickup truck hurtling down towards the lone railroad track? And so, the priceless moments of the day were squandered one by one, or more likely a thousand at a time, with quandary and pointless interrogation. Sound familiar? (laughs) I want to be present, but not to this. This is kind of boring. Well, this is dull. I'd rather be present to, you know, something exciting, something juicy, something fun. So mindfulness is a training in uh, being present, being present in this moment. It's also a training, at least from the meditation point of view, training in attention, gathering that attention to cultivate uh, a moment-to-moment continuity of attention or concentration. So we get to see, we get to understand, it reveals the ways that we check out, the ways that we get distracted. It also um, develops a very refined self-awareness. And in most uh, Things I'm reading these days, um, I do a fair amount of work in companies and uh, business and leadership and the, the research now um, and all the, the training around cultivating good management skills and leadership <laughs> skills all comes down to the central quality of awareness, of mindfulness, as being the main building block for any emotional intelligence and uh, social intelligence. So one of the things mindfulness does is it gives us self-awareness that we can be aware of our body, be aware of our emotional life, be aware of our reactivity. It gives this wonderful skill called response flexibility, where we have a little bit of awareness and, and pause between what we feel and how we react, how, how we respond to a stimulus and how we react, which is very key as you know, if you're sitting at your desk and you get a hostile email, that moment, that split second when you pause between writing an angry response and hitting the send button, that moment of response flexibility could save you your job <laughs> or your relationship <laughs> or many other things, right? We all have those moments when we get triggered and we're sending a nasty email or a phone call or a response back. And if we just pause, we would save ourselves and the other person a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Viktor Frankl, the writer who survived the concentration camps, wrote, between stimulus and response there is a space. In that space lies our freedom and our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our happiness. This is a really important point that really elucidates one of the central mm, benefits of mindfulness that that gives a very tangible sense of freedom in our lives. Between stimulus and response, there is a space, which normally we don't notice in our 
busy reactive mode. In that space lies our freedom and our power to choose our response. And so mindfulness provides that spaciousness. In our response lies our growth and our happiness. And as we become more self-aware, we begin to see our habits and our tendencies of mind, of heart. And we begin to see the ways that we cause ourselves suffering, that we add to our distress, that we add to our pain. There's plenty of pain and difficulty and struggle in life, but we, we can also see how we add to that, how we personalize it, how we make a problem out of things that aren't necessarily a problem how we magnify them in our minds. So a good example would be um, uh, where you're sitting in, in, wherever you're sitting in meditation or somewhere, and meditation is a good example, and maybe you feel a twinge of pain in your knee, or you feel a backache or some neck tension. And instead of just noticing, oh, there's a little tingling, rubbing, heat sensation in those places, the mind comes in and goes, oh, God, I wonder if my, that old injury is coming back. That was such a painful injury when I was at high school. You know, and if I keep sitting here, what's it going to be like for the next 30 minutes? You know, if, if this goes on for the next you know, five or six weeks, I've got this big thing happening in New York, and if that gets, uh, it's going to be all over, and I'll get fired. And you know, we, we go from this little tingling sensation to losing our job, or getting hospitalized, or surgery, or worse. And all that's happening is a little tingling. So we see, and this is a very trivial, maybe not trivial example, but a simple example of how we, we add to our experience. You know, we, we go through the doors, we go out to get a cup of tea, and the person in front who's preoccupied with whatever they're preoccupied with, you know, lets the door slam in your face. And they're just busy lost in their own world, but we think, oh, that person must really hate me. People, people never hold doors open for me. I wonder what it is about me that people just don't see me. I feel so invisible in the world. We create this whole web of painful story. Sound familiar? And we personalize that which is not personal. So as we become more aware, we see the stories and the projections and the assumptions and the reactivities that are really self-created. And as we start to see those, we can start unhooking from them. Find a little space, a little ease. They won't necessarily go away because the mind and the brain is constantly figuring, interpreting our experience. But we see it for what it is, which is just a thought. It's an interpretation. It's a story. It's an idea that may or not be true. And if we have spaciousness, we can have some ease around it. You know, sometimes that, that inference and that association gives us some, some interesting information. But mostly, um, it's not so accurate. So we're going to do some meditation practice in a minute. Um, I'm going to say a couple of other things. One of the misconceptions about mindfulness and awareness and meditation uh, training is um, this idea that we become removed or detached from experience. Um, so, as Viktor Frankl's pointing to, uh, there is we can create space between experience and our reaction, but it doesn't mean we become detached and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
uh, disengaged from experience. Actually, mindfulness is, it, is, is coming very close and intimate with what's happening. We become very engaged and we're feeling what's happening in our body. We're experiencing what's happening in our environment. So it's not detached in that way. It's actually very um, alive and engaged. Um, so notice where you fall on that spectrum, whether, you, whether, you, whether you, your association with mindfulness is one of a slight checking out. You know, meditation has this reputation of being navel-gazing and removed from life, and actually mindfulness is a very direct engagement with life that's immediate. There's a sense of immediacy um, and connection with experience rather than experiencing it through the filter of our ideas and concepts. So I want to read a poem. Sometimes poetry and imagery speaks more to the essence of these things than um, the written word and spoken word. This is a poem from the poet Mary Oliver, whose, who, whose doorway, as is mine, is nature, as is, is, is the vehicle, as a support for awareness and joy. She says, every, this, the poem is called Mindful. Every day I see or, see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight, that leaves me like a needle in the haystack of light. It was what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world, to instruct myself over and over in joy and acclamation. No, I'm not talking about the exceptional, the fearful, the dreadful, the very extravagant, but of the ordinary, the common, and the very drab, the daily presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, how can you help but grow wise with such teachings as these, the untrimmable light of the world, the ocean's shine, and the prayers that are made out of the grass? So I love that poem because it speaks to the, the joy and the aliveness that comes when we're more awake, when we're more present. And I'm sure you've had that experience where you've taken a hike or a walk with a friend or the dog or on your own, and you're so lost in your thoughts and worries and fears and what's going to happen later or what happened at the meeting you just came from, and you get back to maybe your car or where you started your hike, and you think, did I take that hike? Did I go around the lake or did I miss the lake? Did, was I, where did I go? And it was, we just weren't there in life. And that's how often, you know, we, how, how many of you remembered how you got, how you drove here, right? We just, you know, so many times we're checking out. And so what Mary was pointing to and what I'm pointing to is when we're present, we wake up to what's around us. We wake up to what's possible, the joy, the aliveness, the beauty, the preciousness. It's not all pretty. Often it's very difficult what we're waking up to, but at least we're present for it. So, let's do um, some practice. And when I say practice, it's a word that we use in this tradition. It's a slightly odd word. There's a teacher, uh, um, Bob Thurman, a Buddhist Tibetan teacher from New York, and he says, you know all those Buddhists, they're always talking about practice, practice, practice. When's the performance? That's what I want to know. When's the performance? So the performance is always right here, right now. So, but we use this word practice as, um, it's just one of those words that we, uh, I mean, in a way that we're always practicing cultivating attention, but we're not practicing for something in the future. We're practicing 
to bring in this quality of presence in the moment. So, um, what we'll start with is uh, mm, we'll do some. Th- there are many kinds of mindfulness practice, and partly they distinguish themselves by what we place our attention on, what we focus on. So our attention can be very focused and very precise and very minutely detailed, or it can be very open. So it's like if you imagine a a lens of a telescope, we can look, we can broaden the lens and take in the whole night sky, or we could focus on one planet. And the same with our experience, we can open our attention, which we'll do right now in in this upcoming practice, and we'll just simply be aware of the whole range of our experience, it's including all of our senses, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, and observing our inner experience, our mental, emotional processes. Next practice, we'll do a more specific uh, attention training practice where we simply focus on the breath. And there are a range of practices in between. And there's, there's a place for all of these different styles or orientations and we want to have the freedom and the flexibility to, to learn all of them so we in, in each situation in our lives we have an appropriate response and attention to the moment so if you're you know uh, a teacher in a daycare center with children and then you have 20 c- children in your in your care you want to have a very global attention you want to be surveying the whole scene or if you're, you're home with your kids but if you're working on a, you know, if you're a computer programmer working on a very difficult project, you want to have a very laser-focused attention at times, right? And so we have, we, we, we're always using different qualities of attention. You know, if we're driving, we're using that very open awareness. If we're listening to a conversation, we're listening to somebody in a conversation, we're, we're usually very focused. So, um, in terms of uh, sitting posture, uh, you want to be sitting upright. So if you're sitting on a chair, have both feet on the floor uh, as much as you can not be leaning back on the chair. It's the reason we don't have lazy boy chairs in here is because you just get way too comfortable and fall asleep. So we want to be cultivating some brightness, some wakefulness. If you're sitting on the floor, make sure you have a nice comfortable foundation, whether it's your legs are crossed or kneeling. Um, Feel that sense of stability. Uh, Again, sense of uprightness in your torso. So in this practice, mostly the instruction is to uh, meditate with the eyes closed, but if you're sleepy or that's uncomfortable for you, you can just have your eyes open, uh, rest softly, uh, looking downwards. So, in your own time, closing your eyes. And just bring attention, awareness to what's here right now. And and similarly to the last exercise where we didn't pay attention, we're just seeing what's present right now. What is mindfulness revealing? What are you aware of or attending to?
So we're using a little bit of discernment with our mind. Are we aware of sounds? Is that what's most predominant? Or silence? Are we aware of a certain quality of stillness that's in the room in the morning? Or is attention drawn to our body, to the experience of sitting, the sensations of contact with the ground through our sit bones, legs, feet? Are we drawn to other areas of sensation in the body, tension, tightness, expansion, attentive to certain feeling and emotional states that are here, maybe sadness or joy or peace, worry, fear, contentment. Maybe we're noticing our energetic state, we're sleepy, foggy, tired energized, restless, agitated. Perhaps you're noticing the rhythm of your breath, the simple sensations of movement that come as the breath enters the nostrils, the ribcage, the belly, and leaves inflating, deflating the torso. Quite often you might be noticing thoughts and images, memories and plans. So our practice, our instruction in this meditation is to simply be attentive to whatever's arising moment by moment in your experience. Not to think about it, not to do anything with it, but simply be aware of what you're noticing. And that experience may change rapidly. Thought, feeling, image, sound, sensation, breath, feeling, thought, image, taste, sound, seeing, feeling, sensing, breath. And the 
only active thing you need to do aside from being aware is when you notice the attention has got absorbed in the thought train and you feel like you're left the present moment. Recognize in that moment thinking's happening. Let the thought go. Come back to the experience of sitting, the awareness of sitting, and begin again. That's the only active piece, is knowing when the attention's lost in thought, come back to the physical aspect of sitting, (coughs) and then opening up the awareness to whatever else is calling it.
So as I ring the bell to end the practice, just simply be aware of hearing. Noticing where you are, noticing the effect of the last little while of just being attentive to your experience, noticing what happened, where you may have gone. Is our microphone runner here? Great. So, um, comments, questions about that practice? How long was that? Uh, How long did it seem? (laughs) Probably longer. (laughs) It was about 15. Yeah. For some of you, that would have felt like three hours, and other people, two minutes. So, time is very elastic. Questions, comments? Observations, what did you notice? Was it easy to stay present? There's a hand up here in the front. I noticed how much I felt sounds inside my body. Ah, beautiful. You notice how much you felt sounds. Yes, so we can feel the vibration or resonance of sounds in our body when we're attuned. Lovely. I think I got a little confused uh, regarding paying attention to the breath that you said that we're going to do later and being aware of what was happening in my body because I think paying attention to the breath is also what's going on. Mm -hmm. So how do you see the difference? Yeah, so um, I wasn't instructing not to pay attention to the breath, but I was also... the habit generally in meditation and the instruction is often be with the breath and I wanted to give you a sense of more just being with everything and that, that could have just been the breath if, that, if that's what's calling the attention that's fine but I also just wanted to give you a sense of what it's like when you just simply present with everything which is much harder than it sounds so and it, but if it, it was it sounds like it was the breath for you that was what it was mm-hmm. yeah that's fine Questions? I found at first um, to focus on my hearing and my uh, sense of feel. And through that, I began to pick up the subtle noises that we all make, our cough, our shift, uh, the birds... And um, I thought, okay, we're, we're looking at this as part of the whole, and I'm trying to allow this, or not trying to, but what I sensed was, what was happening was, it was just life making music in the universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was, that's how I could encapsulate the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. We are, 
there's a lot of noise in the world, especially from human beings. And, you know, what, what you're pointing to, what's important for me and what you're pointing to is we can have different responses to that. We can either hear it as music of the universe or we can hear it as, why don't those people just shut up and be still already? <laughs> right? So we can either react to it or we can be okay with it, we can enjoy it. You know, and depending on how we relate to it, and I'll go get to this point l- more later, what's key with mindfulness, and I'll, I'll just say that because this is such an important aspect of the practice, there's two things that are going on that we're really tracking. One is what's happening, in this case sounds, and two is our response or, or our reaction. And usually our reaction is what causes us to have a difficulty and, and, experience, or and experience suffering. So if we attached to the room being silent and still and quiet, because we love quiet mornings, and everyone's rustling and itching and fidgeting and coughing and sniffling, and the extent that we're attached and, and wanting that experience of stillness, we're going to resist and hate all the sounds and movements and the people who are making them. So very simple experience. And right there is how we create our whole world in, in every moment of our lives. So that's why the practice is really a metaphor. It doesn't matter so much what's happening, but what, our, what is telling us about how we react to our experience. Okay. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm really new to meditation, and um, as, I was, as I began, I, f- I felt like I um, was very present and kind of right where I wanted to be, and... Um, at some point, I'm not really sure because she said time is elastic. Uh, I felt like I kind of lost that. I, I observed that my mind was wandering to other places and, and like you had suggested, I said, okay, focus on things that are very present, but it was hard for me to get that back after I felt like I lost it. Mm-hmm. And what, what's your suggestion with mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. So... Well, first of all, it's very, what you're reporting is a very normal sort of process in the meditation. We often start focused and we're clear with our intention and we're excited and lots of energy and, okay, it's going well, great, I'm on track. <laughs> Finally nailed this after three sessions. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it starts getting all fuzzy and foggy, or we start thinking about work, or money, or whatever the preoccupation of the day is, the top ten tunes that we hang out in, and and then we get confused, and then we start judging ourselves, I shouldn't be doing that, I should be meditating, and what am I doing, and I should have stayed at home if I'm here, and, <laughs> and it all goes to pot, and then we feel deflated, and, you know, so th- these are like what th- they're called the hindrances, there's some of them are restlessness, doubt, self-doubt, wanting something other than what's here, resisting what's here, like the sounds, um, other things, sleepiness. So, um, two main things that I think happen when we're meditating. One is, it actually takes a lot of energy, and it doesn't seem like we're doing anything, but if you try meditating when you've got the flu, you'll see how, how much energy it takes. It, it takes a lot of brain power to f- stay focused and to work with the thinking mind. So often what happens is we, have, we start with energy, and because the, the stimulus in meditation is subtle, 
our energy sags. And when our energy sags, our attention sags, we go foggy and spacey, and we either go into dream, dreamy spaciness, or we go into thinking. Or we, we conjure up something to make it more juicy. Like, oh, this is boring. Let's have a fantasy. <laughs> Great. Let's think about vacation, you know, sex, or whatever. Um, so that's, and then the other, the other, yeah, so noticing either the energetic, if, if, if the energy starts sagging, you want to bring up the, you want to you sort of arouse a little energy, sit upright, take some deeper breaths, um, refocus the attention on what, whatever it is you're focusing on, like the breath. The other, the other main distraction that happens is we get lost in thought. Anybody? Did anyone else any thinking happening in the last ten minutes? Yeah, I mean, most most of you are probably most of the time thinking, you know, about whatever you th- were thinking in the car and at home and last night. And right, we just carry on. We just see the habits of mind that we're normally in. We're just actually we're turning the lens back to ourselves. We're paying more attention. So, um, and that's a big part of what we work with in, in mindfulness practice is seeing that noticing all the different mental tendencies, you know, thinking, planning, ruminating, reminiscing, fixing, controlling. Um, and so a lot of the, the practice is noticing when we're thinking in a way that takes us away from the moment, recognize it, and without judging, we, we let it go and we come back. So the Zen instruction for meditation that I heard, um, pay attention, in, in this case, breath meditation, Four steps. Step one, pay attention to your breath. Step two, notice when your mind, your attention has wandered. Step three, bring the attention back. Step four, repeat steps two and three a few billion times. <laughs> and that's mostly our practice. It's certainly not daily life. It's a, it's a training. Yeah, and, we'll, and the next practice we'll do is, is more of an attention training, where we're just gathering the scattered, you know, we're, we're so... We're such a multitasking culture. Our attention is generally on many things at once. And so mindfulness is actually attending to one thing at a time, ideally. And so it's actually going against the grain of our uh, cultural habit these days. So, um, yeah, so what you're reporting sounds fine, good. And as my friend often says to any question, more practice is required. So, but I do want to point to this, the, the, the phenomena of our thinking minds, because it is the, it's the arena in which most of our struggle and meditation happens, you know, is, is, the, is the, you know, we, we live in such a, uh, a thinking culture, I mean, we've been trained to think, you know, Stanford reported that in one study that we think somewhere between 60 and 90,000 thoughts a day, which is about one a second. So we have this idea that meditation should be thought-free. Well, good luck. It's the wrong planet, wrong, wrong species. You know, we're going to think. And so like with anything, with mindfulness and meditation, we're learning to come into a wise relationship with it, which means not to judge it, not to think it's wrong, not to blame it, but also not to be so lost and fascinated by it. And so, when we, so in, the, in this practice, we recognize when we're thinking, and then we unhook, we disentangle, we let go, we come back to the physical presence. A lot of emphasis on the physicality of mindfulness because the body is always in the present moment, the senses are always in the present moment. 
So if you're feeling your body or your breath or you're listening to sounds or you're feeling the body touching the ground, we're, we're here, we're in the present moment. So the instruction is to come back again and again. So if we're not thinking, we're often daydreaming, which is a little more, I think, a little more spacier form of thinking. can be um, specific images, but also can be just the way that we check out. And again, we bring that habit into meditation. So we're often on autopilot, right? When we're, when we're driving, when we're doing things that don't require much um, focus, you know, when we're showering or cooking or cleaning or walking the dog, you know, we, we're often power processing and we're somewhere else. So um, a study that Harvard did tracked some few thousand people over a period of time and the average time that people were checked out in daydreaming was 46.9% of the day, which is about half your life. <laughs> so when you add sleep onto that, there's not a lot of waking time happening there. <laughs> so we better make use of the time that we are because it's going to go really quickly. So, um, and then what was interesting about the study is that when they report that reported that peop- people reported that after daydreaming, they felt less happy than before they started. It actually led to, it was a, it was a net decrease in happiness. So, um, so we want to learn, train how to be here, if we can. Any other questions before we go on? Yes, in the front. Life is good. Life is good t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. It is good. It is good. Good. So in the middle of the guided meditation there, you, you at one point, if I was where, oh, awake for this, said um, something like um, uh, hearing, breathing, thinking, breathing, feeling, hearing, and it was rapid. And for me, it was more like breathing, thinking, feeling, big gaps in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if those are actually gaps where I've wandered off. Might be. Might be. Or it might just be quiet. Okay. And if it's quiet, you want to notice what's in the quiet. In that moment, it might be stillness, might be peace, might be silence. <laughs> Might be calm. You know, often people come, like in a meditation uh, discussion, and they'll say, "Well, or I'll ask them how's their meditation." And they'll say, "Well, there's nothing much going on." I say, "Well, there's always something going on. We're always aware of something, but often we don't notice the subtlety. So if it feels like there's long pauses, then get curious about the pause. Right? Well, what is a pause? Is it quiet? Is it still? Is it calm? Is it joyful? Is it empty? Is it open? Is it?" Good. Okay, so um, what I want to do is shift into a a different mode of mindfulness, which is uh, more cultivating attention, cultivating the focused attention, which is cultivating more concentration. So in 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 the Buddhist tradition, it's called samatha, which is the gathering and collecting and the unifying of attention. And this is really sort of the building block for any mm, focused attention, any meditation practice that requires uh, that uh, one-pointedness. 
So, as I said, there are many different ways to practice mindfulness. That's the first practice was more open awareness, which has its place. And there's a place for learning how to train the attention to really be just right here with one thing, in this case would be the breath, which is more probably what most of you are familiar with. And so when we do that, then we get to see more clearly all the ways that we're not here. So, for instance, you can simply be attend, attend to your breath, or you can count the breaths. You can breathe in, breathe out, count one, breathe in, breathe out, count two. But if you space out or think and get lost, you have to go back to one. So most of you might not get to three, right? And that would be quite normal, and that would be fine. If you get to two, it's great. Uh, If you just get to one, that's okay, too. So just to notice, one, how often the mind, the attention goes, and then also notice where it goes. Where's more interesting than the breath? Lunch, hiking, work, so we're noticing, and then we let go, and we come back. So we recognize, release, return. Recognize, release, return. Yeah, very simple. So before we do that, let's just stand, because you've been sitting for an hour. So just stand, just take a little stretch. After this practice, we'll do some some walking meditation. We'll go outside and enjoy this beautiful morning. So in your own time, finding your seat. So again, finding a comfortable posture where you can sit at ease, but upright. Again, as you settle your attention, closing the eyes, turn the gaze inwards, it's always important to notice where you're starting from. So just 
taking a little weather report, like what's the quality of the body like in this moment? What's the quality of the heart? Emotion life, quality of the mind. And taking a moment to just scan through your body to see if there's anywhere that you're holding tension unnecessarily. So softening your belly, letting your shoulders be heavy, relaxed. Relax your eye muscles, facial muscles, soften your jaw. Noticing your breath. So in this practice, we are letting the breath breathe naturally. Breathe, let it breathe itself. And just paying attention to the sensations of the in-breath, the out-breath. You first bring awareness to your nose, to your nostrils, noticing the movement of air, cool air entering the nose, warm, soft air leaving the nostrils. Shift the awareness to your chest, noticing the expansion as the in-breath comes in, lifting the rib cage, shoulder blades, feeling the breath in the upper back. So really be curious for you, where do you feel the breath? Where do you feel the sensations? The more fine, the more close, the more curious the attention, the more you'll stay engaged in the physical act of breathing, the more you'll, less likely you'll be to check out. Feeling your breath in the belly, abdomen, diaphragm. 
lower back. Rising, falling. And then let your attention settle wherever you feel the breath most clearly. And that may shift as different times in the meditation. Feeling and sensing directly the sensations rather than thinking about or imagining the breath. And you notice the beginning of an in-breath. Sustain the attention just for that in-breath. Notice the beginning of an out-breath. Sustain the attention for that out-breath. Relaxed in the body, alert with the attention. And it's natural thoughts to keep coming. And our practice is simply to notice when our attention has gotten lost or consumed in a tunnel of thought.
to let go of the thought and begin again. Returning to the breath. And we may do that hundreds of times in a single sitting. Space out, think, let go, come back.
keep bringing the attention close to the breath. Permeating the breath with awareness. It helps you can use a soft mental note of in on the in-breath, out on the out-breath. Just to connect the mind more with the actual experience.
I'll close with a poem I wrote called The Moment. The envelope of this moment invites us into her cloisters, to the song of thrushes and the fog hovering, descending its moist touch onto branch and blade. Yet the stories of my mind keep luring me into tunnels of plots and dead ends, of fantasy and worry, and meditation becomes a tug of war between the grace of morning with its sunny pleasures and the video game of thought. How odd it is even a contest. What can compete with the scent of sage and mint, of bay leaves flickering and sparrows darting among the branches? The inner world is tenacious, yet the present moment invites, like a rose, to say yes to its thorns, its petals, its all. So we say this practice is simple, but not easy. Pay attention, follow your breath. Notice when you space out, start again. (laughs) But not so easy, as that poem's pointing to. So what do you notice? Mindfulness of breath, questions, Challenges, yes, microphone over here. Oh, it's short. The challenge you have is you're very restless? Especially the last couple of minutes. Yeah. So restlessness is uh, one of those things that we have to work with. Um, useful to know what, co- what causes it. You know, usually restlessness is triggered by our thoughts. You know, either something's thoughts about the future or something about the past or when the hell's he going to ring the bell? You know, leaning it, leaning forward into the future in some way. Um, and, you know, meditation is often about balance, about correcting, balancing our energy, balancing the mind, balancing attention. So, you know, often our system has too much energy and we get rattled, jangled, we're caffeinated and we need to just orient a little towards, you know, meet the restlessness, but it's also sometimes just meeting the restlessness without judging or resisting it will allow some relaxation. And then maybe noticing and feeling the out-breath, feeling the, uh, giving your mind a more spacious, rather than focusing on the breath, you might want to just open up, relax the attention to listen to sound, something that's more inviting of restfulness. Yeah. Questions, challenges, Observations, yes, at the front here. I noticed that I think I could probably follow my breath right into sleep. Uh-huh. And uh, the <clears throat> I think what you said about trying to be alert while following your breath is a very helpful thing for me. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, anybody else notice that? That the following the breath is feels like a precursor to heading into snooze lands. Yeah, so you know, often we're when we come to sit like this, we're we notice how tired we are. And I think you know, I, I just finished teaching a retreat on the east coast and People had to sleep for two days before they could actually meditate. Pretty much, you know, we just you know we just so sl- we we work hard and we're often sleep deprived. And so when we come to actually sit still, we we feel how exhausted we are. That's often the case. Sometimes we just associate eyes closed, body still, mind thinks nap time. You know, so we just check out. And meditation is this fine balance between uh, relaxation and alertness. You know, usually we uh, we uh, we have two modes in our lives. We're either on, 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 push, 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 and then crash. You know, remote land, and um, we're cultivating that inner balance where we're both energized but not restless, and calm but not asleep. And that's that's a that's a dance. You know, really. and it's a, but it's a great quality to develop in our lives. So, yeah. Yes. Um, well, I was failing miserably for the first couple minutes, and you didn't specifically say anything about failing bre- miserably. Breathing deep, <laughs> breathing deeper than than much deeper than I normally do, uh-huh. and I felt like when I started to breathe and then almost try and double the amount of air I was taking in, and then almost at the end take one more gulp for that. Maybe it was the oxygen, or maybe it was just the it being a d- different than how I normally breathe, which is maybe shallow, um, that <coughs> improved my paying attention to the <coughs> breathing and, and really was much more successful than before when I was just breathing normal and not, not focusing on taking the biggest breath I could. So you So what was helpful for you was... D- taking deeper breaths throughout the session? Well, I, f- I, I guess I was not focused on taking really big breaths at, at, in mm-hmm. the beginning, and I was just kind of losing it over and over and over again. And then I just, you know, tried to take in as much as my lungs could hold, and mm-hmm. I felt like that just the focus on that process and paying more attention to breathing in more and um, and then out more, it just improved my focus on just breathing for several breaths in a row where mm-hmm. I couldn't get through one mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. until I started that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you're pointing to is it's, it's hard when our physical experience is more subtle, like the breath can be quite subtle and quiet. If it's not very tangible, it's harder for the attention to st- stay steady on it. And if it's and if we take deeper breaths like you're doing, it's a little easier because there's more there's more going on. So, which is really what pranayama is, which is a yogic form of breathing from the yoga tradition, where you consciously manipulate, take a longer in breaths, you hold the breath, you take longer out breaths, you hold the breath, and so um, there's a place for that in this practice. Where you you want to you maybe do that for a couple of minutes, but then you want to just, if you can, let the breath return to a more natural rhythm um, because the, the, the principle of the practice of mindfulness is learning to be present to what is without doing anything to it, changing it, manipulating it. And that is a wonderful principle to apply to life because that's what we need. 
And so, so we play with it. We play with it with the breath. So next time, you know, be a little more physical in the beginning, and then see if you can let that return to its normal rhythm, and see if you can refine the attention as the breath refines itself. See what happens. And there's no failing miserably. You're either present or you're not present, and you start again. You're present, not present. You start again. That's that's the practice. And if all you did was that that's a successful practice. So the, a successful practice is if you return back to the present moment. That is, that is, a, that is a definition of success. That you, and even if you spaced out the whole time and came back once, that would be a successful meditation because you interrupted the unconscious habit of checking out. So, and then you know, we, do that, we, we do that more and more and, and the gaps of checking out get smaller and less frequent and less duration like that. Okay, good. At the back is a couple of hands. And a <coughs> lady with the blue hat. Um, I've been having challenges a lot recently in my practice. I just came back to it, and it's it has to do with pain and just trying to work with pain while I'm sitting and trying to find a comfortable position, but if I could have any <laughs> insight to how to deal with that, that would be helpful. How to work with physical pain when you're sitting? Yeah, so I'll, I'll do a little guided meditation about that next, next meditation. Um, the reason I started with the first meditation, which was a more open awareness, was because Ultimately, when we're practicing mindfulness, we're attending to whatever's calling the attention. So in this case, for you, it might be physical pain, which is often true for a lot of us. Physical pain, either because of how we're sitting, or chronic pain, or both. Um, And um, we want to learn how to be able to be present with anything, especially the more difficult stuff, because that's really where we're challenged to stay present. So the meditation is a training. Mindfulness practice is a training for how to meet difficulty in life, including physical pain. So the instruction is to simply be aware of it. Shift the attention from the breath. Feel the physical sensations of what we call pain. Shift from the idea of pain or the image of pain to the actual sensation, So, which might be tingling or rubbing or numbing or stabbing or piercing or burning or density or heat or friction or all kinds of lovely things like that. And, hmm? What? I just realized I had a cell phone that was on, so oh. I tried to turn it off. No worries. <laughs> um, so you want to bring the attention close. See if you can, no, normally with physical pain, what we notice if we bring our attention close is how contracted we are around it. We're bracing ourselves in feeling it because it's unpleasant, so we recoil. You want to see if you can relax that tensing. See if you can shift your attention to get close to the experience. Maybe move the breath into it if it's very difficult, very painful. And just explore it with your awareness. Feel a center, feel a periphery. But most importantly, you want to notice your reaction. Are you hating it? Are you resisting it? Is there a story about it? Is there, you know, as I gave an example earlier of, is there some imagined future? I'm going to be, you know, wheeled out of here in a stretcher because if I stay here any longer, I'm going to, you know, whatever. Um... So, and then if it's too much, you know, you can shift your posture, that's fine. Or you can shift your attention to something that's not painful. So listen to sounds, find another part of your body that's 
at ease. Um, go back and forwards between the pain and ease, pain and ease, and that often that titration often gives us a little more resources to be with it. So, um, you know, and also to hold it kindly, you know, to be, to have any p- pain, physical, mental, emotional, is challenging. And so we want to be kind with ourselves rather than pushing or judging or, you know, we add to the pain usually by, oh, it shouldn't be happening, or I should be okay with this, or, no, pain is hard, pain is pain, and we do whatever we can to find a place of ease with it. And that's the training for when we encounter other pain in our lives, and it's incredibly helpful. Did you have a question still or no? Um, Well, an appreciation to the person who said they were like a failure, (laughs) if they felt like a failure in this. Um, I, too, had that feeling, and then I I had the simultaneous thought that, well, we can't fail in this. Um, And that was a wonderful feeling to feel like I was in a space where I couldn't fail. but I, the first time I came, I'm very new at this. The first time I came, it seemed so much easier. So I'm here for a second time, tried some things in between. And this super annoying thing is happening where now I have a double narrative that I have to quiet. So um, I'll, the first time that didn't happen, and now I'll be like, oh, good, you did your breath. Okay, great. Oh, look. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, oh, that was great. Oh, no, nope, we were not present. And so <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, I'm hoping I'm not alone. Um, I don't, and so I'm just curious sort of how to mm-hmm. release into, into that moment and then not be narrating. Mm-hmm. So then it feels like I'm having to actually do two jobs <laughs> instead of just one. Yeah, yeah, it's a great comment or observation. Um, I call that the, the meditation coach, or the meditation <laughs> mindfulness coach. Oh, good job. Oh, yeah. Nice. Two breaths in a row. Great. Keep going. Oh, no. You went off course. Not so good. Come on. You can do better than, you know. And, of course, we do, it's just, it, the mind likes to keep, the thinking mind likes to keep busy, and it will find a way to keep, have a role here for whatever reason it likes to do that. Um, just notice it, it's just more chatter, and the less attention you give it, the more it can recede to the background, um, and just keep coming back to the direct experience or whatever's happening. So, and there, there may be other, all kinds of other voices like that that will come up, judging voices, or praising voices, or you know, just a parallel processing voice around what's happening, the analytical voice. Um, I wonder why you breathe so deeply. Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. So, um, to, to not give them attention, not give those thoughts attention, and just keep coming back to the physicality of your experience. And they'll, they'll come and go. And we thank them for their presence, and then we let them go. Okay. So, I want to switch gears here to do some uh, walking practice so we can move our bodies and be outside a little, because it's such a beautiful day to practice outdoors. So, um, many forms of mindfulness meditation. Uh, the Buddha taught, talked about being mindful in the four postures, sitting, walking, standing, lying down. Uh, we're not going to do lying down today, but if you take a nap, you can practice that later, or if you, in the evening, but we're doing sitting, walking, and standing. So, what I'm going to invite you to do right now is to stand. <coughs> Thank you. 
So, excuse me while I fight with my microphone here. Um, So just noticing, right now, bring your attention into your body. And close your eyes if that's helpful. If not, just have them down. Just, just sense your body. Noticing the shift from sitting to standing. Noticing how different that feels physically, energetically. You might feel a little more bright. But also the locus of attention might shift to your feet rather than your breath. Noticing balance, stillness, movement. Noticing how your breath might change as you stand. So we, in our lives, we're standing a lot. We're standing in line, we're standing waiting for the bus, we're standing at the checkout, we're standing getting tea outside. Um, so, and we can do some walking practice and the idea of mindfulness practice is to learn how to be present in whatever activity we're doing. So, and the more that we can be present to our body, the more that we can access that as we're going about our day, whether we're walking down the corridors at work or in the grocery store um, or in our house. So, um, So this next practice, we're shifting the attention from the sort of inner experience of mindfulness, which is what we develop in meditation, and we do, we're shifting outwards into activity, into movement, and being aware of other people around us, being aware of our environment. And for some people, this is a lot easier. For some people, it's more challenging. There's more going on. So for some people, that's great, because it's more to pull you into the present rather than being lost in your head. For other people, it's just distracting, a lot more stimulation. So. Um, it's, it's all an experiment, and it all takes practice. So what we'll do, how we do the walking meditation uh, in this tradition is, um, it's not taking a hike, it's not taking a walk, which you're welcome to do after the session is over, which will be quite soon. Um, but this is actually uh, using walking as a meditation. And so what we do is we walk up and down, like pacing up and down. You find a place where you can walk maybe 20, 30 steps, and you just literally simply walk up and down the, uh, the point is we're not going anywhere. The point is we're not doing anything except being present to walking. Being present to the, particularly uh, noticing the movement of your feet and the, the, the stepping of your feet on the ground. So use that as like the touch point for your attention. So there's all kinds of things going around. You can be seeing things and hearing things, and, but mostly just have the, the sense of being aware of your feet touching, stepping, stepping, placing, placing, and your legs moving. You know, so, again, this quality beginner's mind, if you think about the times that you've been uh, hanging out with a one-year-old who's learning to walk, walking is an amazing thing to go from a four-legged to a biped. Um, amazing feat of evolution. And um, we don't notice it because it's what we've been doing for forever. But actually, it's an amazing process to, to feel all the different muscles and the bones that are required to lift this very heavy limb 
yeah, to lift it, to move, to have the knee swivel and to take a step and the, all the ankle bones moving, shifting. And as we step in place, we lose our balance, we regain our balance. Right? So you want to be pay attention to all of that as you're walking. And the point is to simply be present. Not trying to get anywhere, not trying to make anything special happen. Just an ordinary activity and being present. And then, of course, all the things that will happen <coughs> that happen in the sitting practice, the mind wandering, spacing, judging, commenting, um, will happen. And you notice that, and you just keep coming back to the simple act of walking up and down. So it looks like this. Not that you need to know how walking looks, but I'm going to show you how it looks in this practice. But mostly I want to just emphasize the naturalness. Just walk up and down as if you're going for a walk, except you're only taking 20, 30 paces. The thing about, some people prefer just to meander, but the thing about walking up and down is if you, each time you stop, you can sort of recollect yourself. Because I can guarantee that after a couple of steps, you've checked out. So after 20 steps, you've really checked out. So you stop. Oh, yeah, mindfulness, walking, yeah, turn around. I'm not taking a hike. I'm not thinking about work. Start again. 20 steps, you stop. Oh yeah, I got to lust it again. I can't believe it. Turn around. Okay, start again. Intention. And so that, it, it breaks up the, the, the tendency to space out. Any questions about that? So we'll ring a bell to um, signal the end of that practice and we'll come back and we'll take some questions and um, do another meditation practice before we close. So um, please uh, use the bathrooms if you need to and... Um, See you back. Probably we'll work for about 20 minutes. Okay. And I'll stay, I'll stay here. If you have questions, since I know there's a big group, I would be happy to answer questions up here um, during the walking meditation.
So those of you who are standing, waiting to go outside, you can practice your standing meditation as your, or shuffling meditation. So just notice, just be present with what's happening as you're waiting to get out.
So, questions, observations about your practice, about the walking or anything else that's coming up for you, it's been said so far, and all kinds of good questions in the, during the break, which I wish were asked in the hall, because they were really pertinent to the practice, but there are many questions. Yes? You've used the word mind in ways that confuses me. Yes. Sometimes confuse myself. You're talking about the thinking mind when you use the word mind, but I thought everything in consciousness was in my mind, so yes. So the question is about mind and the confusing ways that it's being used. Um, it's true. Um, uh, we use it in different ways, and um, it refers to many different things. So I generally try to make, but I don't always, I generally try to make the distinction between attention and mind, but sometimes just because of the 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 overuse of that word, I might say, notice how your mind goes away, but really it's your attention that goes away. So, and then I will sometimes use, refer to the thinking mind, um, and then sometimes I will, I will use the word mind that's somewhat synony- synonymous with what we might think of as consciousness. You know, that, where the, that which everything is happening within, whatever that is. So, um, it's, the problem with language is we're, we're talking about reality and inner experience that's very subtle and it doesn't, doesn't exist in discrete boxes like language does. And so there's a lot of interweaving. Um, but, uh, and I apologize if I've added to the confusion with, with the, that, that word. Um, but generally, I think it's useful to think of as attention, which is an aspect of mind. And the thinking mind, or the thinking process, which is also an aspect of mind. Yeah. Questions? Difficulties, observations about the walking. How was the walking? What do you notice? Anybody? Good. It's easier to get distracted. Easier to get distracted. Yes, easier to get distracted because a lot more going on. Right? The reason why now we see why meditation has this sort of cloistered quality. Right, we're removing our attention from the external world, closing the eyes because we can develop a certain inner focus and discipline, right? And then, if, but that's, we don't live in that little cloister. We have to, you know, live our lives and interact and shop and eat and cook and all of that. So we're learning how to, the meditation is like a laboratory. We're, we're building up this skill, this focus, knowledge, or technique. And then we, we learn how to do that. But as, as you saw, it's not so easy, right? So we, that's why we practice. Yeah, so easier being mindful here than at Whole Foods, right? So we, that's why that's why retreat centers are more you know they're not downtown San Francisco because you know, it helps to have supportive environments, right? But ultimately we have to learn how to do it everywhere. But it is a place for removing ourselves to where it's easier. So we train our mind, train our attention, so we can do it more easily. Over time, yes. Do you want to take the mic? 
Um, I was reminded once again of the amazing bodies we've been given, and walking is so such a complicated system, and how many little micro adjustments we make all the time. And so when we're slowing it down and really focusing on it, it, it just is not as easy as moving forward. There's so many little mm -hmm. micro adjustments that are really amazing. Yeah, the body is an amazing thing, and taking a step is an amazing thing. And when we can bring that quality of attention, that beginner's mind, then it is amazing. And, and when we can bring that, we actually stay more attentive, because it's, 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 it, it is a miracle. Anything's a miracle when we pay attention. Yeah. Yes. When you're mindful walking, how much do you pay attention to the beautiful surroundings if they are beautiful? Mm. You know, mm. and, and if you didn't, is that because you're really... not? That's not the question. Yeah, so how do you mm. balance that? Yeah, it's a good question. I didn't speak to that. And it is beautiful here. It's a beautiful day. It's spring. And how do you balance... You can do different things. Uh, what I normally do when I do walking practice outside is I go outside and I drink it in with my senses, mostly eyes and smells and sounds. And then once I feel like, okay, I've taken it in, it's beautiful, and feeling that connection with the land, then I'll do some practice, walk up and down a little while. And at some point, you know, something calls my attention, flowers, birds, and I'll stop and I'll give it my attention and then go back to the walking. And sometimes I'll just stop and look around again, just take it in. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mix. But I try not to just, you know, walk really mindfully and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I think I'm stepping, but I'm not really sure, <laughs> but it's really cool here. Like, that's not so mindful. So um, being intentional with what you're doing in each moment is, supports mindfulness. Okay. Thank you. Yes. <coughs> I have a habit of counting while I'm walking. Mm -hmm. Is that good counting? or bad? Numbers. Numbers. My steps. Your steps. Yeah. Uh, does it help you stay more focused? On the numbers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how many did you get to? <laughs> 20, just like you said. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's fine if it supports you being more present to your physical experience. If it just makes you present to the counting, then drop the counting. Okay. So just like you can, you know, there's, there's a practice of labeling where we label our experience, stepping, stepping, left, right, lifting, placing. Now that's all useful if it supports our, our attention to the physical present. If we just get lost in the concepts then in the, in the, the counting or the labels, then let it go. No, it was comforting. Comforting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Comforting is good and supportive of being physically present even better. Okay. okay. Thank you. Good. Yes. Do you want some? Yeah. I noticed with both the, the breathing and the walking exercises, I would find a place uh, of attention and I would begin to really enjoy that that place that I was at, uh, and I would almost get attached to that. And then I would let go of that, and it would make space for something new. And that, I, oh wow, there's something new, and it, it kept changing 
what I was attending to, you know, what, where my attention was. But that place where I would get attached to that almost a joy of, of revelation of, oh, wow, you know, my stomach is heavy or the, the feeling of pebbles under my feet or whatever it was, and then let go of that. And then there was another beautiful revelation. I really enjoyed that, mm-hmm. that part of it. It was interesting. Sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just being watchful of the attachment. Yeah. Just to notice, you know, if it's things are pleasurable, we like them to stay around forever. <laughs> And they change. But yeah, sounds great. Yeah. There's a hand at the back over there. There was anyway. And then we'll do some more practice. Um, <clears throat> it, I um, get concentration or a, attention mixed up with contraction. Uh-huh. And I, and I notice that when I'm the walking meditation, there's much more of a natural tendency for me to feel expanded and then I'm not exactly sure like when I'm trying to coach myself when I'm walking about that expansion like for instance I'm a botanist so I try not to get involved in a dialogue about the plants I'm going by (laughs) but I do notice that I'm noticing color you know Mm -hmm. so I kind of just go color Mm -hmm. and then I think about my feet and legs but I I'm just confused about the whole issue around um, where you put your mind. I mean, how, for me, it feels like um, narrowing your attention, and Mm -hmm. then that translates into a contraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, all these practices and techniques, they're all training wheels, right? They're all tools in service of awareness. Ultimately, you let them all go and you just be present. I mean, the, the instruction today is be present. Come back in three hours. Let's see how you did. Right? That, that would be one way of doing this morning. You know, and, you know, at times you'd be present. At times you'd space out. And mostly we'd be lost in our, you know, cave of thoughts. And so, so there's these different techniques and tools that isolate different aspects of attention that we, whether it's concentration or open awareness, or, um, you know, no, n- the n- labeling practices or different embodiment practice um, because they all, they all highlight a di- an important piece of, of mindfulness and awareness. Um, but the point is not to be trapped in the practice. The point of the practice is to serve awareness uh, in its fullness. So, um, in if ever, if ever, the, the, the time when these practices lead to constriction, um, you want to notice that and see if there's some way that you're interacting with the practice that is not so helpful, or the practice may not be serving you in that moment. Um, you know, so ideally, you you do your walking practice, and you're just aware. You're just simply aware, and you're aware of the whole range of your experience. Color, sound, form, sensation, breath, light, beauty, joy, challenge, struggle, storms, inner fears come. Like the whole range. You notice the labeling because you're a botanist. You're noticing plant identification. You notice that. But you're not caught in any of it. You're just, you're more residing as in awareness as sort of the the source. And then all this thing is, all of these things are being noticed in awareness. 
right? The pebbles under your feet and the colors and the light and the sensations and the checking out and the coming back and the boredom and the coming back and the, right? Does that make sense? And then, but if, we, if I just said do walking practice and be aware, you know, most likely we just, we, you, you know, you'd, you'd get into botany and someone else would get into, um, I don't know, thinking about you know, their physical injury. Somebody else would, um, you know, go take a nap in the sun. And uh, so there's, there's a place for the training and there's a place for, for also letting it go. Does that make sense? Yes. <clears throat> and that's true with any practice. You know, they're, they're in service of awareness. So that, that practice of labeling, of naming, oh, now I'm feeling sad. Oh, now I'm distracted. Planning mind. Sadness. Painful sensation. That labeling can be useful, but it can also be a trap. We can just be labeling machines. And that's not the point. The point is it's, it's all in service of being aware. Right? When it becomes clutter, you know, when, when it causes contraction, then let it go. Right? Sometimes we get really tight around the breath. Anybody controlling their breath? Yeah, probably quite a lot of you. Right? If it gets too tight, let, let awareness of the breath go. Pay attention to something else. Listen to sounds which, we, which, which invite a receptivity. You can't control sounds, so it softens the control. Um, so if feeling really sleepy and sluggish and meditation's not happening, you might choose to do walking practice at home. Mm-hmm. Walking practice feels too distracted, you might want to sit and be still. Right? So pra- over time, ma- the maturity of practice leads to a responsiveness to the moment and appropriateness of the moment. Right? And we, we, when over time we build up a, a, a tool bag of techniques that, that we can apply but as the Buddha said, when you use the, the raft across the river, when you get to the other side, you don't carry the river on your back. You let it go. Right? The techniques serve when they serve, and when we don't need them, we let them go. The point isn't to be the perfect meditator here on the cushion. It's nice, but that's not where you're going to live. You can live your life in, you know, in your life with relationship and family and work. You wanna, that's where we want to bring the practice, so that, so that the training is in service of that. Um, which leads me to my last piece that I want to bring in today, which is, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the point of the practice is, is to be in service of understanding, of cultivating wisdom and compassion, of letting go, of seeing what's true, s- understanding ourselves fully, seeing ourselves clearly, The Buddha has this lovely quote. He said, Luminous is this mind. Luminous is the mind. Um, luminous and brightly shining is this mind. But it's clouded by the visiting habits and tendencies of mind. So the, 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 the essence of our being is clear, clarity, is wakeful. But that's not how we feel because it gets occluded by our habits, by our thinking, by our preferences, by our reactions, by all kinds of stuff. So the mindfulness is in service of understand, self-understanding. You know, understanding, as I said earlier, what causes difficulty and struggle. What stops us from simply being at peace on this lovely Saturday morning, right? 
sitting here doing nothing except being quiet. What? So we get to pay attention. What is interferes with me just feeling radiantly happy right now? Where is the problem in your life right now? Why is peace not so available right now? Maybe it is, but if it's not, we want to pay attention. We want to get curious. So there's a part of a poem by the Sufi poet Hafez. He says, "We have all the ingredients to t- you have all the ingredients to turn your life into a nightmare. Do not mix them. Do not mix them. <laughs> Whatever those in- ingredients are." A little bit of self-pity and consciousness, a little bit of envy and comparing mind, and suddenly we feel like we feel terrible. Or whatever your particular mix is that makes you feel, you know, a little bit of unworthiness, a little bit of self-judgment, and then looking at your faults and all the things you did wrong yesterday, and you feel terrible. And he also says, he goes on later in the poem to say, You have all the ingredients to turn your existence into joy. Mix them and mix them. So that's what we're doing in practice here. We're cultivating awareness. These ingredients of awareness, kindness, acceptance, letting go, non-reactivity. Mix all those ingredients, we have a much more peaceful life. So we'll do a little more practice um, before we close. And what I want you to pay attention to so, is um, this key piece that I mentioned earlier, which is to notice uh, what's happening in your experience and then to notice your response or your reaction to it, which is quite subtle to, to do, sometimes not so subtle. Sometimes someone will cough and we feel jarred and we want to strike out or someone's chair keeps squeaking next to you, and you feel a little homicidal. <laughs> um, and it can happen. You know, the slightest thing can, can, can trigger it, right? Um, and in meditation, things get exaggerated. So uh, someone's breath that's loud, and you want to strangle them. Uh, you don't really want to strangle them, but it, it, that, that impulse of not wanting to be with what we don't like. So notice when something's unpleasant and difficult and painful and unwanted, notice how you feel about that. Notice the reaction, which is usually one of um, either fear, we withdraw, or one of anger and we lash out. We want to get rid of. If it's pleasant, what happens? We usually go, ah, finally, Nirvana's arrived. I'm doing it right. Please stay around. Oh, bliss, please stay. I want it. Stay there. I'm just going to sit really still and stay, 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 stay. And then we crush the rose because we're hanging on to it so tightly. Right? So notice those tendencies. If it's neutral, if it's kind of not compelling, we check out. These are the three basic tendencies that we can see in our practice. We either reject things we don't like, we run after things that we like, or we check out to what's neutral. And these responses, these reactions, are the difference between being at ease with experience, like physical pain. Someone was talking to me about physical pain in the break. And, you know, our physical pain, our injuries or whatever, might not go away, or the pain is going to come. Being in a human body, we're going to experience pain and discomfort, either intermittently or chronically. Whether we suffer around that is, is is... 
the key. So there's a, an equation that we often say, suffering equals pain times resistance. If we're struggling and hating and fighting and blaming and judging and rejecting our pain, guess what happens? We suffer around it. But if we bring mindfulness to it, if we bring a kind attention to it, we can maybe find a place of ease in the moment, at times. Right? We, f- we, we can see that we can be free in relationship to whatever's happening. Right? And this is, this is the theory. It takes practice. You don't have to believe me, but as in all the, the invitation with these teachings, ch- check it out. Try it for yourself. See what happens when you're just simply present to something without adding this layer. And if you are adding a layer, can you be mindful of that? So let's do a little more practice. So, and I'd like to, as a way of slightly upping the ante so you can work with with what's happening, I'd like to invite you to be absolutely still in this next meditation. And if discomfort arises, if itchiness arises, um, see if you can just stay in stillness and notice your reaction to what's happening. Yeah? So a little tickle on your face, a little achiness in the back. See what happens if you just stay with it. Notice what the, the knee-jerk reaction is and see if it's possible to have some response flexibility, to find some, the pause where we can be at ease in the middle of discomfort, which actually becomes very liberating. So if you like, you can bring the attention back to the breath as a way of having the breath be the center or the focus, the anchor for the attention in the moment. But you can also let the attention be attentive to whatever else arises in your experience physical sensations, physical pain, emotions, sounds, visual images. Paying attention to what's happening and how you relate to what's happening, how you're responding to what's happening. your attitude or reaction is to whatever's arising in the moment.
attending to what's happening, attending to any response to what's arising. you hear the sound of the bell, simply be aware of hearing. And no matter how far you wander in the mindfulness practice, it's only a moment to return. And that no matter how busy the mind is thinking, however hard you might think this practice is, it's simply attending in the moment as simple as hearing the sound of a bell. So I wish we had another 15 more hours because we're just getting to taste the, you know, the touching the surface of the breadth and the depth of this practice, as many of you know, who've been doing this for some time. So um, we're coming to the end of our morning, and I hope that the various instructions and practices have been useful and um, the point of the pra- these teachings is to put them into practice. So I've given out a lot of different tools and techniques and practices and like for any of us um, we have to apply them 
and uh, it takes practice. It takes, this is just like learning any skill, any art form, learning the piano. You know, it takes many, does, you know, you wouldn't come to a morning piano workshop and expect to be playing Mozart at the end of it. Or maybe you would, I don't know, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, maybe. So, um, you, you know, put these techniques, tools into practice. If you, can, if you want to do, sustain the practice, you know, develop a home meditation practice, come to more classes, come to other day longs, attend a retreat as a way of exploring more deeply these practices. Um, I have some meditation CDs uh, in the bookstore, Mindfulness CD, if you want to hear some of these um, meditations. And there are many wonderful resources online where you can also download them. Um, In terms of other ways to find out about my work outside of here um, and also at here, I'm teaching a couple of events upcoming here at Spirit Rock. One is um, March 9th. It's a day-long course called Who Are You? And of course, we'll find out what that mystery is called you. And on March 17th, I'm doing another half day, um, an introduction to loving kindness, which is uh, one of the complementary practices to mindfulness, which is a cultivating of love and kindness, beautiful practice, one of my favorite practices. I've left some cards out on the back table. Um, I teach a lot here at Spirit Rock. I teach Monday nights, often when Jack's not around, and I um, have a class called Essential Dharma that runs, it covers some of the foundational teachings of Buddhist uh, practice. I also work with people one-on-one, and I work with a lot of people um, uh, to help bring this practice into daily life. So I I'm, do mindfulness coaching and mentoring. Uh, I have offices in San Francisco and Mill Valley, and I also have a counseling practice where, again, I'm helping people use these principles uh, and learn how to live them in their lives with all the various difficulties and challenges we face. I'm also, um, I have a couple of websites, uh, one called the Mindfulness Institute, and on that I, it's, uh, you can find out information about uh, my mindfulness coaching work, and I also do mindfulness trainings in different companies and schools, um, so if you're interested in learning how to apply this at work, which is usually the place we need it most, um, you can reach me through that website. Um, I'm also going to be leading um, some mindfulness teacher trainings, uh, one in Europe at the end of this year and early next year, and one in San Francisco starting next year, where people who want to learn how to bring mindfulness teachings into their work, into school, into their um, psychology practices or healthcare or different settings. Um, if you're interested, again, check the Mindfulness Institute website. And also, you could also look at uh, another website called mindfulnesstrainings.com, which has some information about my European training. I also do uh, 
lead various uh, meditation retreats in nature. Uh, it's one of my, my passions and loves is to take this practice outdoors. And so I lead various courses in the wilderness um, from Mexico to New Mexico to the Sierras. And so I'm teaching a course in August in summer uh, in the northern New Mexico where we bring mindfulness practices outdoors for a week. A uh, very beautiful way to learn and deepen the practice. So I brought, that website is called awakeinthewild.com. Awake in the Wild, same name as my book. Um, so if you have a love of nature and want to explore that, I highly recommend coming on one of those. Other announcements? Um, bear with me, I have a few to get through before we end. Um, so Spirit Rock, as I mentioned, is a meditation center in the Buddhist tradition. And one of the beautiful principles of this tradition that comes from Southeast Asia, Thailand, Burma, primarily, is the culture of what we call dana, which means generosity. And for the last few thousands of years, these teachings have been offered freely in those countries. The Buddha talked about these teachings as being priceless and not charging for them and how they've been passed down over these millennia is that the, the monastic uh, community, the monks and nuns, were responsible for holding the teachings, practicing teachings, sharing them, and the lay community that they taught and served were invited to support the monks and nuns with food and lodging and clothing um, and whatnot. So we've inherited uh, that system here in, in the this, this spirit of that culture, that we would like to offer these teachings freely because of our overheads and costs. We're not able to do that. We do try to keep the costs as low as possible. And uh, being a nonprofit, um, about a third of our operating budget comes from generosity and donations from people like you. So you're actually here today, and Spirit Rock has been built on this beautiful principle of generosity. The teachers who teach here, including myself, are not paid. We don't receive anything from Spirit Rock. Uh, we receive no benefits or health care or whatnot. And we teach because we love this practice, as I do very much. Um, and we are partly uh, supported by uh, lay people like you who come to these teachings and want to see these teachings continue, wanting to see the teachers being able to continue doing their work. So you're invited uh, at the end of this workshop to um, support in this case myself, to uh, carry on doing my teaching work. So I will, so, and w if you uh, participate uh, at Spirit Rock Mall, um, which is now one of your spiritual homes, you're welcome anytime. Um, uh, you're joining this, this river of, of generosity. So I am here today because I've been kindly supported by people from other classes and courses and retreats that I've taught. And your donations and contributions today will help me continue my teaching, uh, which should be next time, will be on Tuesday and whenever else I'm teaching next. So um, it's a practice, and um, money always isn't always an interesting place to practice. And whenever I, I bring up the subject, I can sometimes feel a room go, oh, money, scarcity. Um, or just whatever stuff we have, and it's really, it's really important to bring mindfulness to every aspect of our lives, include, including money, including generosity, including everything. So, um, but the, the principle is inviting you to support 
that which you value and um, and to take it you know if you take this practice seriously then to the, 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 the tradition seriously to take this practice seriously and the teachers here all of us work very hard and living uh, on uh, income based on dana is very uh, challenging and certain financial system because we never know how much we're actually going to make because it's all voluntary from you folks. So um, please take it seriously. Please think about it. Please give what feels appropriate to you. It's an, it's an invitation. It's not mandatory, but please f- listen and, 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 and respond appropriately and to take it seriously. It's really the system only works if, it, if we both participate. A couple of other final announcements. Um, if you if you are getting CE credits today, please uh, go see um, the lady that, with the, Susan, uh, the back table, um, to sign out and get your uh, certificates. Um, someone is looking for a cell phone, Sean. You're looking for a cell phone. Uh, I'm looking for cell phone. Sean's looking for a cell phone, and do you have it or you don't have it? So are we looking for it. We're looking for a cell phone. If you see a cell phone, please hand it into Sean. Is that the announcement? Yes. Okay. Good. Um, and uh, Janet McGregor, Janet McGarry, and if you could see Sean or Michelle in the office, that would be great. Um, otherwise, I just want to say it's been a pleasure to be here with you this morning. I wish uh, we had longer time because there's so much rich material to go into, but there's many, many mindfulness teachings and offerings happening here all the time at Spirit Rock. So please come back if if this has whetted your appetite, and I look forward to seeing you somewhere again soon. Take good care. Enjoy this beautiful day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.